0: In the book of Matthew, Jesus makes this statement, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is a way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. The Lord used Brad last week to teach us about the man who lives by faith. His entry is at the narrow gate. He is characterized by humility. He depends on God for all of life. There are not very men and women, many men and women like him. In fact, Jesus says there are few. Habakkuk 2, verses 1 through 4, reads, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry behold the proud his soul is not upright in him but the just shall live by faith the mountain peak of these four verses the central theme of the book of Habakkuk and perhaps the most life changing concept in all of scripture is found there in verse 4 in the study of verse 4, Brad gave clarity and persuasion to the immeasurable value of faith. What is faith? How faith affects life? And a plea, a plea to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Look closely at verse 4. And you will find another man in that verse. He actually comes before the righteous man or woman of faith. What if a man does not have faith? What is that man? How does he live? What motivates a man who refuses to believe in God? What is the heart of the person who chooses to walk leisurely through the inviting and comfortable gate? and enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for but a brief lifetime Joshua was the prophet and the leader of the victorious Israelites they conquered many nations and tribes in order to possess the new promised land of Canaan Joshua gave a final and gravely important speech to the people His chosen topic that day was about a decision that each man or woman must make in order for the nation of God that it might survive. And he said this, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. That is a timeless decision. It still must be made by every man and woman in order that they too may survive. And if anyone thinks he can avoid that decision, he has already made his decision. What drives the life of someone who chooses to follow the old idols of tradition and experience? In other words, the gods your forefathers served that were on the other side of the river. Or the flashy new idols that appear to promise peace, fulfillment, and pleasure. In other words, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. As a result of the study of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, some of you sought to repent and follow Christ by faith. You desired to leave apathy, partial obedience, hypocrisy. And you desired to submit in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you, for a variety of reasons, didn't hear the word preached. Others of you rejected it as a bit too much, a little too old-fashioned or fundamentalist or, or perhaps over the top. And some of you thought, that sounds like a good concept. I need to get back to that sometime after I work through my own issues and and to try to keep my head above water just to survive. This morning we're going to look at that other man of Habakkuk 2 verse 4. And I hope and pray that it will confirm your desire to live by faith in Christ or else it will compel you to leave the wide gate and Broadway and flee to life in Jesus Christ. As you consider the options set before you, consider the word of Jesus. Jesus, the words of Jesus. The thief does not come to, except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are gathered for just a bit of time now to look into your holy and perfect and righteous word. Your word that is a two edged sword that pierces even to dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's a it's a word, Lord, that is is a soothing word. It is a word that is a stumbling block. It is a word that can crush. And Father, we read it. Some of us not so much, some of us quite often, and yet we can overlook and we can miss and Father it can just be so much of it in just a brief moment of investment of time and not our heart and our soul and our mind. So please grab us this morning, Father, in spite of me and my weaknesses. And please grab us by your Holy Spirit and your word and teach us this morning about you and about faith and about what happens to those who deny you and refuse faith. Please have rain in our hearts and minds this morning, Lord God. In your name we pray, amen. We begin with a reminder of the proud man. Hebrews 2 verse 4 in the NASB reads, Behold is for the proud one. His soul is not right within him. The SV says his soul is puffed up. The King James says, It is lifted up. The man who rejects the lordship of Yahweh, the Lord God, is haughty. He deludes himself, believing he is self-sufficient. How many t-shirts will you see at an event that say just do it or you can do it? The creator who gave every man his soul and designed that soul knowing how it should be says that man's soul is not right within him. The soul living without dependence on and surrender to Christ it is not straight It is not good. It is not as it is designed to be. That is true. Whether it is the soul of the blasphemous Israel that we're reading of in Habakkuk in 400 AD, it is true of the invading idolatrous Chaldeans heading to destroy Jerusalem at that very moment. It is equally true of the aerospace engineer. The vice president of sales, the homeschool teacher, the student, the accountant, the preacher of 21st century America, China, Saudi Arabia, or Peru. The proud man's soul is not right within him. And here is a deeper dive into the life of the man who is on his own in verse 5. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man. So that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like shale. And he is like death. Never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations. And collects to himself all peoples. It is not that wine is the root of his evil. But it certainly serves to grease the rails of this man's sin. It loosens him up to pursue his natural bent for carousing. The sin was already there, but the wine removed any restraint or discretion. I know this to be true in my own life as a young single man decades ago. I have seen it in countless families, extended families of my own, where the effect of alcohol has opened up perversions too dark to ever describe at this pulpit. The prophet Isaiah describes the effect of wine on discernment for the leadership in Israel. And he says, But they also have erred through wine, and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine, they are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision, they stumble in judgment. Be warned. The proud man is unfaithful to the needs of his home. Now this pertains to a nation of Chaldean warriors who must always go out to conquer new nations like Assyria, Egypt, or Judah, but it even perhaps depicts the modern business exec who is driven to discover and experience the new and the exotic. To the proud man of any era, these exploits are far more appealing and faithfully caring for his God-given responsibility close to his home. For both the ancient soldier and the contemporary entrepreneur, without the lordship of Christ, his appetite is insatiable. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 says, He who loves silver will never be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. How much money is enough money? John D. Rockefeller answered that query just a little bit more. That's spoken by the man who is estimated to have at about 1% of the entire U.S. economy at the height of his prosperity. And the proud man is like death. He is like death which has never been satisfied and demands more and more victims. The more he swallows up, the more he hungers to conquer another nation or another deal or another crowd or still more people. Yet we are told it is momentary and it is fleeting. The glory, the victories, the wealth and power pass like a comet across the night sky. For the approaching conquerors of Babylon, their power would last only about a century then they would receive the fruits of their wickedness placed back upon themselves, promises the Lord. God is He who raised them up for the purpose of judgment upon His rebellious people. Then God is also the one to bring swift and heavy reckoning upon them. God assured Habakkuk in chapter 1 that justice would be meted out on Jerusalem because of her idolatry and because of her perversion. And now in chapter 2, He describes his revenge on these Chaldeans for the suffering that they have caused his people. Babylon's specific sin and tyranny are enumerated in God's word to Habakkuk along with, as James Montgomery Boyce wrote, he said, along with the misery of the person or nation that thinks it can do without God. We begin with the sin of increasing wealth by extortion and theft. Verse 6, will not all these take up a proverb against him and a taunting riddle, riddle against him and say, woe to him who increases what is not his. How long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you? Then you will become their booty. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you because of men's blood, and the violence of the land, and the city, and all who dwell in it. Those whom the Babylonians have crushed will someday taunt her in mockery and satire. She was a greedy, haughty nation, stealing from other peoples and tribes, and she had either enslaved nations in heavy debt, or had herself become a borrower to finance her land grabs and her conquests. But God promises in due time she herself would become a slave to those she had ruled. And it appears that Babylon had implemented a scorched earth policy a forerunner of the British in the South African War of 1899. I read there this, last night that the British troops swept that countryside, systematically destroying crops, burning homesteads and farms, poisoning wells, and interning Boer and African women, children and workers in concentration camps in order that they might bring the opposition to their knees. A little closer to home, During the American Civil War, the Union Army's General Sherman, in his march to the sea, burned or destroyed crops, livestock, homes, farms, and any other resource that could possibly benefit the Confederate force. Like these contemporary copycats, a path of total desolation was Babylon's path through the Middle East. But God promises in due time she will be plundered. In verse 9 we have the sin of pursuing security by covetous gain. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house that he may set his nest on high that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You give shameful counsel to your home. You cut off many people and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers will answer it. You see Babylon Desired to create an impenetrable fortress for herself and her people. Far out of reach of any calamity. Have you ever seen any investment commercials? Isn't that where we want to be? Far out of the reach of any calamity. Build up somehow a high nest to where we can't be reached. It's it's a common thought. The Chaldeans would do this by massacring, by plundering and by building house upon house with all that they had grabbed from the other peoples. Proverbs 18.11 says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own esteem. But this safety net was pursued at the cost of peace and safety of other men and their families. Such selfishness combined with the disdain of anyone outside his own house, Brought scorn upon the nation of Chaldeans. In our own political world. You know what I'm talking about here. We see elected and appointed officials. Taking advantage of privileges. Loopholes. Wealth. And many other entitlements. To similarly build up their own nests. And place their families in high. And untouchable places. Yet. The common man sees all that and he is disgusted. He is disdained. It is a shameful thing. Proverbs 15, 27 says, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. Matthew Henry wrote, Those that do wrong to their neighbor do a much greater wrong to their own souls. But if the sinner pleads, not guilty and thinks he has managed his frauds and violence with so much art and contrivance that they cannot be proved upon him, let him know that if there be no other witness against him, the stone shall cry out of the wall against him, and the beam of the timber in the roof shall answer it, shall second it, shall witness it, that the money and materials wherewith he built the house were unjustly gotten. Then there is sin in using violence to build an empire. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity or by violence. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people labor to feed the fire and nations weary themselves in vain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The building of a city, it can be a noble work. But Babylon established it on top of violence And on the shed blood of men and women. Although the city would be built. As all of the greatest endeavors of men. It was not to last. Has not the Lord Almighty determined. That the people's labor. Is only fuel for the fire. That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing. These people would be driven into forced labor. To feed the insatiable fire. Of Nebuchadnezzar's desire for an empire. In the end, the most exhaustive efforts of man will result in nothing. About 40 miles northeast of the city of Beirut, Lebanon, lies one of the most staggering displays of ancient Roman architecture in the entire world. Could you bring that up, guys? Ruins of temples erected to a number of different idols, including Baal or Baal, Jupiter, Venus, and Bacchus, the god of wine and pleasure, they stand as monuments to dead, empty idolatry. The Bacchus Temple is the most impressive and well preserved. It stands 102 feet high, 217 feet long, and 115 feet wide. Giant marble pillars stretch 65 feet high and line all sides of the building. What went on inside of this hall of pleasure defined this as a den of immeasurable and unimaginable perversion. It was pointed out that there were no windows into this structure because of the wickedness of its practices. But as impressive and indestructible as it might have seemed 2,000 years ago, inside this edifice you now notice some interesting markings on the walls that tell another story. At certain spots in the interior, and I don't think we could ever zoom up close enough to see this, but in certain spots in the interior, graffiti engravings are located about 10 to 15 feet high on the wall. Did someone sneak in with a ladder at night when the Bacchus priests were asleep and to face these walls 2,000 years ago? No. In the heyday of the temple... Constructed during the first century A.D., it did not last more than a few hundred years. Over the ensuing centuries and decades, it slipped into disrepair and the sands of the earth began to sweep over it as well as to fill it. Eventually, traveling caravans of traders would pass through the mostly deserted region and find this to be a good place to rest, to pitch tents and park a few horses and camels. Some of those who stopped by left their names and dates inscribed on the walls. Because the great hall had filled with sand and dirt over the years, the floor level of the temple had risen several feet, which is why the markings are found further up on the walls. It wasn't until 1898 that a German expedition began excavation, bringing the building up from its sandy grave. Thankfully, Its perverted worship of a false idol has been silent for at least 1,500 years. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? On the other hand, Scripture says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. You see the Lord showed his amazing sovereignty. Over all the earth. In raising up a virtually unknown people. These Chaldeans. Into a world dominating power. Within only 25 years. And by that same sovereignty. When his purpose was complete. God blew on them. And they were gone in less than a century. Matthew Henry wrote. It was the honor of God. As a God of impartial justice and irresistible power. For by the ruin of the Chaldean monarchy. Which all the world could not but take notice of. The earth was filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Then seduction. Verse 15. The seducing to pervert and to destroy. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor. Pressing him to your bottle. Even to make him drunk. That you may look on his nakedness you are filled with shame instead of glory you also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised the cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you and utter shame will be on your glory for the violence done to Lebanon will cover you it will overwhelm you and the plunder the destruction of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood and the violence of the land and the city and all who dwell in it Jeremiah the prophet specifically Spoke of the coming end of Babylon. In Jeremiah chapter 51. Verse 55. This is well before it happened. Verse 55. For the Lord is going to destroy Babylon. And he will make her loud noise vanish from her. And the waves. And their waves will war like many waters. The tumult of their voices sounds forth. For the destroyer is coming against her. Against Babylon. And her mighty men will be captured. Their bows are shattered. For the Lord is a God of recompense. He will fully repay. I will make her princes and her wise men drunk. Her governors, her prefects and her mighty men. That they may sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake up. Declares the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts. The broad wall of Babylon will be completely raised. Then her Gates, her high gates will be set on fire so the people will toil for nothing and the nations become exhausted only for fire. An actual historic report of those final days of what Jeremiah told about is told in Daniel chapter 5. Please turn to Daniel chapter 5. Verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords And drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine. Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels. Which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple. Which had been in Jerusalem. That my friends is what Habakkuk was hearing from God, from God was going to happen. This is looking back at that. And the king's and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. And in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed And his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked together against each other. God was speaking in the midst of this debauchery, this orgy of perversion and sin. And and he's speaking directly to the leader at that time goes on to read, Then the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. He was desperate. Now all the king's wise men came. But they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, Knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigma's. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel's response is priceless. Literally. Then Daniel answered and said before the king let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writings to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king O king The Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, puffed up, haughty, he was deposed from his kingly throne. And they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, And his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of the heavens. Till he knew. That the most high God rules. In the kingdom of men. And appoints over it. Whomever he chooses. But you his son. Belshazzar. Have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this. And you have lifted yourself up. Against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords, Your wives and your concubines. Have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold. Bronze and iron. Wood and stone. Which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand. And who owns all your ways. You have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him. And this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Mini, Mini, Tikal, Afarsin. And this is the interpretation of each word. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tikal, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. How long did that kingdom last? That very night Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. That is what God is foretelling us in Habakkuk. That is what will happen to any who raises himself up, lifts himself up, pusses himself up with self-sufficiency, adequacy apart from God. It may look more brazen on one hand than it is on another, but it is the same disease. It's a faithlessness. It's a pride. Having pursued life through extortion and theft, Covetousness, violence, seduction, and perversion—man flails his way to avoid the lordship of his Creator, and he worships anything but God. The last few verses, verse 18: What profit is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the makers of it, mold of its mold, should trust in it. To make mute idols. Woe to him who says to wood. Awake to silent stone. Arise. It shall teach. Or another version says. Can it give guidance? Another says. And this is your teacher. Behold. It is overlaid with gold and silver. Yet in it. There is no breath at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keeps silence before him. Boyce again wrote, It is simply the end condition of a people who will not walk by faith in God, but who trust in their own devices instead. We trust ourselves, but we are not adequate for the trust. Let me repeat that. We, you and I, often, like these, we trust ourselves, But we are not adequate for that trust. So finding no help in mere human beings. And have rejected the true God. We turn to superstition. Consider the characteristics given so clearly about these idols. It is very interesting. It mentions that they are both molded and carved. They are of every kind of material you can imagine. Stone, wood, gold, silver. Every size, every type. They are presented at great expense and, in beautifully, and beautifully ordained in gold and silver. They are elevated and attributed to ability beyond what the creator himself possesses or could ever possibly imagine to pass on to them. They are prayed to and depended on. And ultimately they have no ability to produce what was promised. Unlike God, unlike Yahweh, whom Abraham, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. There are so many stark differences between the man of faith and the haughty man of verse 4. Countless differences. But when it comes down to it, it is our dependence upon God or our dependence upon self. Jeremiah 10, verse 8 says, But they are altogether dull-hearted and foolish. A wooden idol is a worthless doctrine. Everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by an image. For his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are futile, a work of errors. In the time of their punishment, they shall perish. The idols of the world remain silent. But with our God the whole world becomes silent before him. The idols of the past we see clearly from scripture. The idols of the future are another thing. We have all sorts of things cropping up now from AI, ChatGBT, all sorts of things that claim to be able to answer any and every question that we could ever have, does that not sound like the mystics, the gnostics, the idolatry of the past, and many other areas? What I what I urge you is to stay close to God and His Word. Dig in here. We are in a war. If you if you could step back and if we could see it with God's eyes, it, we would look across. And we would see something like a a World War II black and white photo where you have bunkers bombed out and you have jeeps overturned and you have partial bodies laying here and arms laying there. And, And yet you have victory. We have a God who claims victory but men who march out there by themselves will be casualties. Do not deal with this partial apathetic fence straddling faith. Trust in God fully. Pour yourself out to Him. Let Him lead and guide in every area and aspect of life. Don't be like the Chaldeans. They had it all. And then they had nothing. It was gone. And that will be you. That was the man who died on the street in Texas. Gone. Forever. That is the 300 lives that were lost in an instant when that train piled up in India. We live but a brief, frail life. And we must have Christ or we have nothing at all for eternity. There is no middle ground. Jesus said in both Gospels of Matthew and Luke, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Again in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, most, who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Don't be lured. Don't be lured into the gold and silver covered white gate. wide gate or to the deceptively smooth surface of the highway that leads to hell know that there are only two routes to take hear and heed the voice of Jesus as he commands come follow me he does not lie he does not fail he is trustworthy he is Lord and he is the absolutely needed Savior let's pray Heavenly Father we come to you. and Father, sometimes I think in the milieu of history, of billions of people, of historic events Father, of wars and of times of peace of, of, of kingdoms of great uh, glory and gold and ornate uh, thrones of little hovels where people are in, in, in poverty and, and eking out a living In prisons and in palaces, Father, you have men and we are men. And and Father, we we need you. Help us, Lord, in our place, in our point, in the history that you have designed, your word says that you have determined the pre-appointed time for every man, woman, and child in hope that they would seek the Lord. And Father, I pray that we would do that that you would give us clarity, that your word would speak to us, that your spirit would come upon us and lead us deeply into you. Father, help men and women this morning that are dealing with this and trying to decide. Will I step further and go fully with Christ? Lord, move us that we would and that from this little church you would bring to yourself much glory and honor. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy. In your name we pray. Amen.